You're listening to A Date with Data with your host, Amy Bitterman. Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Center. Welcome to A Date with Data. Today, I am joined by Kelly Bloss, Part B Data Manager, and Lauren Holohan, the SIP Coordinator, who are both with the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. We know that states are required to engage stakeholders throughout the entire SPP APR process, and Kelly and Lauren are here to talk about how they've been ensuring stakeholders are meaningfully part of the process on an ongoing basis. Thank you both so much for being here. And I'd like to start out if you could each say a little bit about yourselves and your role. Kelly, do you want to go first? Sure. So uh, again, I am considered right now the Part B data manager. Um, I've also taken on the role as the SPP APR coordinator. I have been with the Department of Public Instruction for going on 17 years now. And about 15 of that was solely working as the Part B data manager. Um, and we had a, a separate SPP APR coordinator. And she retired about two years ago, right when the measurement table changed. Mm-hmm. And I had a huge learning curve in setting these targets and baselines for the new measurement table. But it has really been an adventure for me. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you. Lauren, how about you? Yeah. Uh, I have been with the Department of Public Instruction since 2007, so 16 years, about the same amount Mm -hmm. of time and um, similar journeys in terms of role transitions here at the department. I started as the consultant for occupational therapy, and then our ESSIP coordinator at the time, Matt Hoskins, became our assistant director. I moved into the ESSIP coordinator role about the same time that Kelly moved (laughs) into the SVP APR coordinator role. And so we have definitely learned and kind of grown up together in our understanding and our coordination of our state's efforts around the SVP APR. Yeah, it must be nice to kind of have someone to go through that with in a similar well, way. I'll, and I'll say not just someone, but I have Kelly Bloss. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just an, an incredible, incredible, yeah, one of the more productive people I've ever met. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So just to get started, can you talk about how um, you've been engaging stakeholders in the SPP APR process? Sure. I'll start off with that. Um, Obviously, our journey began with the new measurement table. Mm -hmm. And um, so right away, we knew that we were going to need a lot of organization and support as we started this journey to to reset the baselines and targets for our SPP educators. So we immediately um, contacted our uh, IDC person, um, Rachel, and we started off by using the, I think it was called the planning template. And Amy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there was um, an outline for us that allowed us to kind of plan what we were going to do in that process. And part of that was um, setting our, our timeline and 
how we were going to hold these meetings to involve our stakeholders in resetting our baseline targets. And so that was a very helpful tool, very helpful meeting for us in mm-hmm. deciding how we were going to do it. And um, I'll let Lauren kind of the outline of those meetings and how we how we brought people together. Yeah, it's, it seems like a really long time ago, but I guess it was just really 2020. Um, I, I think part of that, you know, that, that was also at the beginning, um, our, our journey started sort of with COVID too. And so just thinking about how to do all this work in a virtual space, um, it was a different kind of coordination. So um, that we really, that summer fall of 2020 and on through um, until we got really through 2021 um, because this was for the FY 2021 submission right Mm -hmm. for two years into the the new measurement table Um, and so we held those all all of our stakeholder meetings um, to develop the new uh, SPP online Um, we did a pretty wide um, invitation, wide open invitation. We worked with lots of our different advocacy organizations and our local um, contacts um, with our LEAs uh, just to to make the information about when the meetings were. And, um, you know, we just tried to cast a really broad net. Mm-hmm. Um, we had ASL interpretation and Spanish interpretation for all of those meetings. Mm-hmm. We did multiple kind of repeated sessions on individual indicators and we recorded all of those sessions posted all of the recordings kind of kept that information in front of our partner organizations and our and our leas mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of the things that well one is we just we were we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> <laughs> and had no idea what it meant to just throw wide the invitation mm-hmm. right to you know, at, there were several of those meetings where we had 75 or 80 people wow. on the call. I think um, one of the things that I've I've said in the past, um, some of the may, maybe confidence or may, maybe just um, foolishness to, to do that was um, our leadership in the Office of Exceptional Children several years ago invested in um, facilitating facilitator training for Hmm. most of the OEC consultants. So we've been through pretty rigorous facilitation training so that we could conduct focus groups and large meetings and and move groups through decision-making processes, through um, analysis of problems or situations. We have structured protocols for that. And Hmm. I think just being equipped in that way really um, set us up for some su- surprising success and maybe taking some risks in terms of that open invitation that um, we might not have been so comfortable trying that if we had not had that training. Wow, that's really cool that you all have that training. It seems like, yeah. duh, everyone should have that, especially given, yeah, the stakeholder engagement work and how much you would need to be facilitating those meetings and making the most of people's times and learning those strategies to really engage um, and get, you know, productive conversations going. So that's really cool. 
And what are some ways that you've kind of during um, the meetings when you've brought the stakeholders in um, that you've helped to build their capacity to really be able to provide that meaningful and and useful uh, feedback? I'll start off on this one again and then toss it over to Lauren. But one of the things that we did right off the bat was as soon as we got the measurement table, um, we began setting up data displays for each indicator. And so what that looked like was we would take at least five years of historical data and look at that. And then we would show them what it would look like with the change. So like, for example, indicator one, the whole data set changed. So we showed them what it looked like before and what it would look like after. And we did some backtracking with the after as well, um, just to try to give them um, some meat to what they were looking at and a full understanding of what that indicator was about and what the change was about. And we went really, really slow. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think we had more than two indicators at a time per month. Um, So we went really slow. We talked through all of the changes and we also provided them with some options for their baseline and their targets. We didn't just say it has to be one of these. We also um, offered for them to have some conversation and provide some feedback if, it, if there was a, an option that we didn't think of. So we really tried to um, engage them in thinking about what the, what the meaning of the indicator was, how it impacted um, our schools and our districts and our state data, and then also um, allowed them to think about how they would set their targets and so um, that that seemed to be very helpful i think there was and we may get into this in challenges but i'll just go ahead and say it I'll, mm-hmm. I, I think at times we may have provided too much data mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, and you know there's times where we felt and got feedback that there were they were a little lost in what we provided mm-hmm. so um so when that would happen we would try to go back and revise it but um Lauren, what do you think? Yeah, I just think in a couple of things to add to building stakeholder capacity. We definitely had this kind of whatever it was, 16 month schedule of how we were mm-hmm. gonna move with our stakeholders through these indicators. You know, we we had a plan. Um, and I remember pretty distinctly, I think it was summer of like July of 21, we got to indicator three <laughs> and, and just, the particular group of folks that we had, they're like, you're asking us to make decisions about like stuff that we don't understand well enough. And we just got to slow down. Mm -hmm. There was just some, and because, you know, there, what are, there's 16 different baselines and targets with indicator three now. And, and we were like, okay, we just need to slow down. We're going to take another month. We're going to back up. We're going to explain what each of these different parts of indicator three mean. We're going to like, give folks more information ahead of time. And we kind of, we revised our schedule. We Mm -hmm. let people know we were responding to the request. And so I think just listening and being able to, being willing to adjust um, empowered that, that those participants to just kind of stay with us and um, yeah. And, and to not be like threatened by people's sort of emotion. I I think that was another, Mm -hmm. we just created space and, and made adjustments. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I'll say in terms of stakeholder capacity is particularly for those stakeholders who were, 
just showed up month after month after month. We extended invitations to lots of those folks to join our, what are now SPP work groups. We have four different work groups, data literacy, stakeholder and family engagement, research and informed practices, which we, and then our, our systems coherence, which we sort of modeled after um, um, the National Center for Systemic Improvement um, one of their frameworks. Mm -hmm. Those work groups aren't just like DPI employees um, mm -hmm. and they now have external stakeholders that participate in them. And in fact, um, we have co-leaders that are external stakeholders on a couple of those work groups. Mm -hmm. And so they, folks really, I think, continue to deepen like their understanding of the indicators and the work in terms of improvement science that goes along with actually seeing those data improve over time. So we're really mm -hmm. excited about um, that level of, and we've, we, our capacity has been built because of that, that, that level of engagement on work groups. Yes, for sure. And that's such a perfect example of how really taking those stakeholders and bringing them in, not just at that target setting stage, but carrying through to talking about the data and the results and improvement strategies yep. and all those other elements. So it sounds like that was a really great strategy to bring in folks, you know, who had taken part in that target setting and bring them into these ongoing continuous work groups now. To access podcast resources, submit questions related to today's episode, or if you have ideas for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. The links are in the episode content, or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.